hello, Kumo. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Nah, man, I'm chilled out. Uh, this is Khotatsu from Stage Fright. Mm, uh, it's nice I, to talk to you today. Mm-hmm, I understand you are one of the co-founders for Codecast. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Do you have some time for us to talk about the experiences you guys have been having podcasting, you know? Yeah, definitely. I have some tips I could share and hopefully it's something that someone out there will benefit from. Okay. Uh, please be do advise that this call is being recorded for content creation purposes. Uh, you all okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine with it. Okay, cool. So um, the first question I'd like to ask you is what has been the most pleasant experience you've had on a flight? Um, the most pleasant experience. That's hard to say. Um, I don't like flying, so it's it's never really a pleasurable experience for me overall. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe um, off the top of my head, I'd say the most pleasurable experience is landing. Okay. Because then I know I'm like safe. It's like a mm-hmm. thing. So every time the wheels hit the ground, you're like, ah. Yeah, I'm happy. Like, okay. that's my happy place right there. I'm back on the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, no, man, interesting stuff. So uh, has there been any destinations you've had to travel to for the sole purpose of a podcast? Uh, not yet, actually. And uh, mm-hmm. it's something that I'm, I'm hoping will happen soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now, let's just get into it then. Um, uh, tell us a little about Codecast and what you guys are trying to do and what you guys are trying to achieve. Uh, okay, great. Um, so Codecast uh, is something that um, we had been thinking about for a while. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really just born out of like a tweet, if, I, if I'm really being absolutely honest. Um, we, mm-hmm. I wanted to explore new new ways to have fun basically so Mm. um it was mostly an experiment at the very beginning uh i tweeted that i wanted to do this and a few people were interested in doing it with me and we decided that we'll just trial it for a couple of episodes and then see where the road takes us so initially i wouldn't say we had um we had a particular goal that we had in mind or a vision or a mission like those are things that we, we were never thinking about when we started. But along the way, um, we started to define um, what we wanted to put out there and what our market was going to be. So we decided to focus more on, um, well, technology as a whole, but more fine-tuned towards um, the things that matter to us and in the community that we are now. So a lot of that stuff revolves around evangelism, um, tech evangelism, that is. Um, Mm -hmm. education and advocacy and um, uh, growing our ecosystems, basically. Uh, And just overall, just connecting uh, the people in our community to other enthusiasts across the continent and uh, across the globe, but mostly focused on the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so so this was was generally how we started, actually. Okay. And... um... I think um, now uh, I engage with you guys more on the Rushing Forward podcast. How did that spin off the Codecast podcast, which also had a home, and now you also doing the Rushing Forward? Okay, so this was this is interesting because uh, we've been doing it for um, over two years now. So when we started in the first year, like I said, we started as just something we're doing for fun. But then as we started to gain shape and introduce some structure, um, we realized that um, we we had a challenge. We wanted this to remain something fun, but at the same time, we wanted this to uh, be, um, what's the word, Uh, something that a lot of people enjoy beyond just the tiny circle that we were um, uh, we were publishing for. So mm-hmm. we started doing a lot of research, started looking, I started talking to a lot of people, and uh, we found that the length of our podcast was just, it, it was too long for most people. 
Um, but mm. then we really enjoyed how long it was. We enjoyed having like spin-offs and like just side sidetracked conversations and that sort of thing. So um, we decided that okay, um, we're more um, like a panel style discussion, and we still want to maintain that kind of panel style discussion. But we mm. also recognize that we need to introduce another angle to it. We need to introduce um, some sort of interview style podcast that still appeals to the group of people that may not um, completely uh, engage with the panel style discussion podcast that we've been doing. And that's something that we find you know, very interesting. It's fun for us to do and it maintains the interest that we have. So we decided to uh, take on um, another project and this was the Rushing Forward podcast. So we wanted this to be the part of podcast that tells the story of African tech enthusiasts, people making inroads within the community of technology. And we wanted this to be um, something that the average developer, the average software developer that is, can relate to on a daily basis. So that's basically telling stories from our peers in the community. Yeah. And mm. that's what we wanted rushing forward to do and so far it looks like it's doing that well and mm -hmm. to kind of like align that vision with um what podcast is we decided to also not publish uh the podcast primarily on uh on just any platform but a platform that we feel we can support and rally behind and help grow into something that uh hopefully as africa we are proud to say we we have as a platform that we've 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 we've, we've developed on okay cool and yeah I, I thank you guys for using Colelo for this and yeah you guys have kept me on my toes ever since he started posting and yeah um, i've also been enjoying the content you guys are pushing on what's been your favorite episode so far on either podcast or rushing forward um well, um, I think they are different, right? Uh, I think on Codecast, I've enjoyed the, that one where you were talking with the lady who had the payment solution. Yeah. Was it Flutter? Flutterwave, yeah. Yeah, Flutterwave. And then on Rushing Forward, I enjoyed the behind-the-scenes episode, which is weird. Uh, uh, I think with Lydia. I think that's the one I enjoyed most. Yeah, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite episodes as well. Like, um, oh, yeah. there was something about that behind-the-scenes episode that just spoke to everybody on the team, and we just wanted that to be something that um, other people enjoyed as well. There's lots of content mm -hmm. that happens behind the scene that we don't really get to publish, and mm -hmm. uh, hopefully over the next couple of months, we'll start to do a little bit more of that. Uh, mm -hmm. Publish conversations before the recording starts. Um, publish some of the uh, things that get cut out of uh, the final episodes and hopefully mm -hmm. that's something that a lot more people will enjoy as well. Okay, cool. Um, so how big is the team? Uh, so in total, uh, we have a team of, of six people. Um, so we have a sound engineer who manages uh, most of the sound, sound quality stuff, uh, manages the studio as well. Um, we've got uh, four uh, hosts, uh, three of them primarily on podcast and one on rushing forward, and it's Daniel. And we have someone that's uh, managing our social media. So that's one area in which I think uh, none of us were really good at. And we had someone that was willing to come on board and see if they can help us grow our reach. We noticed that a lot of our audience is within Zambia itself, maybe half mm -hmm. half our audience. And we do have um, some level of listenership across Africa, uh, and we wanted to grow um, those numbers as well, get more people listening to us uh, so that we can kind of figure out what's happening in the different parts of Africa as well. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, no, interesting stuff. Um, so what would you recommend someone uh, considers if they want to also start their own podcast? Um, I think 
I think this is a difficult question for me and also mm -hmm. easy at the same time because um, we faced a lot of challenges at the very beginning. Um, I think one of the one of the biggest things we had to consider was what what is it that we're trying to do? Who are we trying to appeal to? Um, and maybe because we started by not considering these, it was a bit easier for us because we just went on this runt or this like flurry of episodes until we figured that out. Uh, mm -hmm. But definitely one of the things you should consider is what kind of message you're trying to put out, uh, wh where you're going, where you're going with this basically, and also where you're going to publish your content. I feel like that's one of the, the biggest things. Initially, we wanted something that sorted um, distribution for us. We didn't want to worry about distribution. Like we're not um, content creators in the sense that we've been through radio, you know, we have contacts in like the media space or anything like that. This is mm -hmm. a, this is a, an industry that was completely new to all of us. So mm -hmm. like definitely if you want to get into podcasting, um, consider how you're going to distribute uh, and by distribute I just mean how are people going to find out uh, about you guys, where can they find your content and how many platforms are you going to uh, put out your content on. We distribute I think on a number of uh, platforms as Codecast and as Rushing Forward, we try to mm -hmm. make sure that we cover the the biggest uh, content platforms, you know, the Spotify's, the Apple Podcasts, we try to cover mm -hmm. as many of those as possible. And I think as you're starting out, don't pressure yourself, don't think too hard about um, how you're going to do the recordings. It's relatively easy to get a simple mic set up, and a platform to record uh, your podcast. So yeah, pretty much, I think uh, that's the kind of advice I'd give. Okay, so from what I'm saying, hearing you say is uh, as good as it is to have a distribution mechanism and know who you're targeting and what type of content you're going to put out, the first thing you need to do is record some, some content. Yeah, definitely. Don't do, uh, like a lot of uh, a lot of people that are getting into podcasts now, especially around me, um, mm -hmm. always put themselves under pressure in terms of actually putting out any content. You want mm -hmm. the perfect intro, you want the perfect, uh, you know, you want the perfect voice for your podcast, um, but you end up with a lot of recordings, but nothing actually put out or no recordings at all, which is. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the biggest and we we have a saying like okay not a saying we have like a saying in 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 my industry like software development like just push out something push out mm -hmm. something whatever it is and you will grow over time like no one's perfect mm -hmm. at the very beginning and cool. i know like i've had conversations with people about our initial recordings like episodes one through to ten like we struggled with audio quality like that's one of the biggest problems that we had like we mm -hmm. could never get perfect audio quality and we still haven't gotten it till today but mm -hmm. i don't think would have made as much progress as we did if that was something we let hinder us in the very beginning mm -hmm. and at the end of the day uh, i think the most important thing is the content mm. yeah definitely and uh it's that's been a struggle as well um i never quite know um whether we've recorded good content or bad content like it's it's never really very apparent until you get it out there into someone's ears or hands, for lack of a better mm. phrase. Okay. But uh, right. that's something right. we figure out as we go. Okay, cool. Uh, then I'd like to also talk about your, um, the other aspect you said you guys focus on, the tech and evangelist. Like, what is that? What is that word? Um, so uh, tech evangelism is just a fancy phrase for going out into the community and talking about the work that we're doing and advocating for um, either uh, certain beliefs that we have or technologies that we're using. And one good example is, um, I, actually I'll give an example of Polelo, for example. Um, so we actively talk about uh, this platform that we're using to uh, host our podcast and we talk about the many benefits or like the things we're having challenges with and we generally do that with the community that we have around us. So that's an mm -hmm. example of some of the work we do in terms of evangelism. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And in terms of 
how things are changing now since okay obviously uh, the coronavirus stepped into the chat uh, how are you guys uh, having to change how you work in the podcasting space or is there anything <laughs> you guys have had to change well i think the first thing i mentioned is um it was hard to get four people in the same room to do a recording and mm. that hasn't changed even with us deciding that we'll start recording remotely um we're, we've we've been testing out this for the last three episodes now so it's working out okay so far um mm -hmm. we've always had a challenge with communication anyway communication channels with regards to what kind of episodes we wanted to put out and what we're going to record next um right now we're trying we're trying out slack as well um to kind okay. of figure out if that would be like a good avenue for us to separate our conversations into different channels and see if we can we can we can make it work usually before would whenever we're recording would have a brief conversation about it before in the studio and then like kind of decide what we want to do for the next couple of months or the next quarter uh but now since yeah that's getting a bit difficult we're hoping we can move that into slack it's been working poorly so far but uh hopefully we pick up the pace over the next couple of months because we okay. are hoping that we can use this to kind of settle into like a new structure but in terms of recording we've moved our recordings onto um three primary platforms we use zoom sometimes to do our recordings um sometimes we use zencaster as well um i think uh the latest one we tried well not the latest one we did try uh, a phone call as well uh, for example mm -hmm. if everybody's local including our guests uh we attempted an actual phone conversation and we recorded it and tried to test out what the audio quality would be but so far mm -hmm. zooms work, worked best uh followed mm -hmm. by zencaster zencaster mostly because you can separate the different audio streams similar to how we do it with um okay. with Adobe Audition or something like that so oh that's generally how we've decided to adapt okay so even when you uh editing you can basically then edit different people for the specific audio connection you get from their side yeah definitely so we had an issue okay. a couple of weeks ago with one of the rushing forward episodes so mm -hmm. um our host Daniel had forgotten to um well his earphones they weren't completely covering his ears so mm -hmm. he had some kind of echo every time his guest uh would speak that audio mm -hmm. would go back into the microphone and there was like this consistent echo throughout the recording so mm -hmm. it was easy for us to fix that because um because of the the different streams of audio so okay. we could just mute out all the echoes that were there when he was quiet and his guest was speaking so it made it really easy for us to kind of um do that production well enough for us to put out something that we were happy with that gives me an idea okay cool you know cool stuff um so yeah um speaking of which um currently actually looking at uh, adding live streaming functionality on polar and yeah and as you say that having uh, independent streams or the other thing that comes to mind now is panning one person's voice to the right and panning the other person's voice to the left so if a person is listening to the episode it feels like uh, the interviewer is on the right hand side and the uh, interviewee is on the left hand side and they having this conversation and you're listening to one side of the convo and then the other and yeah mm -hmm. Uh, I'll attempt adding that actually. <laughs> okay, should let me know how it goes. I'm I'm especially interested in live streaming options because um I think if it wasn't for this COVID-19 situation in March, we were hoping mm -hmm. we could do a live recording. Um yeah. not exactly a live stream, but a live recording uh where we could uh, have like a panel, a guest and a host. and we could have an audience uh that would be allowed to take part in the recording as well by answering by asking questions and so mm -hmm. on and so forth so have being able to move this to an online platform um is something that i definitely be interested in uh mm -hmm. away from the zooms and the skypes and whatever just like an authentic podcast recording experience okay, okay. cool um question then i have is what's the question blah 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 
uh, what does the future hold then for Codecast as a collective? Uh, well, our plan over the next 12 months is basically just growth in all facets. We want mm -hmm. to grow our audience, um, even though we understand that it's a bit of a niche market that we're in, especially within Africa, because um, firstly, podcasting or just consuming podcasts isn't something that's generally mainstream, especially mm -hmm. for the country that I'm in, because I'm in Zambia. Like, if you look at how people consume um, any kind of audio, even mm -hmm. things like Spotify or Deezer are a bit of a stretch. So extending mm -hmm. that to podcasts is something that's still a strange phenomenon. And one of the ways in which we're we're trying to we're trying to grow the 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 consumption of podcasts within the country is to get as many people first of all to jump onto the bandwagon of recording podcasts. The more people, the merrier. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just means we could have a community of creatives that could help grow the industry. And hopefully we could get to a point where um, this is generally something that's normal and people mm. are used to. Uh, apart from that, we're just hoping that we can also uh, grow individually in terms of the kind of content that we put out uh, consistently trying to add value. And uh, hopefully we can grow uh, to a space where we can do Q&A sessions at least once a month. And hopefully we can build an engaging community, not just online, but physically as well. And uh, the community online should extend to many more places apart from Zambia. You know, we want to make sure that we are able to understand needs in different spaces and appeal to them in a way that would be most relatable to them. And hopefully we can actually grow into a media company and we can produce many more podcasts. So Rushing Forward is like an experiment of us starting a new show and seeing how it would affect our audience, how we'd mm -hmm. be able to handle it as a team. Do we have the right things in place to actually make sure that this succeeds and is something that will stand the test of time? And uh, so far, so good. We've had a little hiccups here and there, but uh, yeah, so far, so good. Speaking of hiccups, what has been uh, the scariest incident or in that way? Uh, I wouldn't say, I'd I'd say, yeah, what's been the most scary incident? Um, so sometimes we've had issues with uh, procrastination, not mm -hmm. doing any quality checking. And I think um, this was scary in the beginning, not so much now, but this was scary in the beginning. On the day you're supposed to release an episode, you receive very bad um, quality, or like not good enough quality from your engineer. And now you have to scramble and you, you want to put something out because you want to be consistent. But at the same time, is, is it worth putting something bad out there just for the sake of consistency? Uh, so I think that would be, I'd say, one of the fears I had. Then something else that scared me was the point when I think the team almost fell apart. I think this was like the end of 20, 2018, going into 2019. And we had like, a, like an internal... Uh, an internal issue that uh, was kind of scary. I didn't think we we're going to fix it, but uh, we we did. And I think that was a turning point for us in terms of like what we wanted to do. Uh, I actually thank God for that moment, because if it wasn't for that moment, we wouldn't have done the work we did last year. We wouldn't have committed to the kind of consistency and seriousness that we 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 did. And mm -hmm. that's kind of grown into 2020 as well. We know exactly what we want to do. We know what our expectations uh, are, uh, both as as a podcast and as individual team members and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I'd say that's been the biggest challenge we've had, just internal communication, trying to make sure that we actually have this structure as we're growing this into something that might actually be a viable business, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Then mm, let's dream a bit right, while we're still here and talking about growth. Mm, what are some of the things you'd think we would get a podcast to 1,000 listeners per episode? Not just the podcast, but the podcast we work on, right? You on Russian Forward or Codecast, me on Stage Fright and other podcasts. What type um, that's of thing? That's, that's like a really difficult question for me to answer. Mm -hmm. 
you about the, the many different things we're trying and mm -hmm. we're hoping would work. And maybe this is something um, that someone out there has tried and has worked for them and they can validate it. So uh, basically, uh, the engagement is something that we think is key to driving uh, listenership and not just listenership also, but just retention because it's been difficult from a statistical perspective to kind of tell um, what our retention numbers are, for example. I mean, we no, got okay. to, we recently got to 2,500 listens overall across all the episodes that we have. And mm -hmm. this is us getting to episode where we just released episode 30. So at this point, we're at episode 25 and we got to 2,500 listens. Um, so we noticed that a lot of the times our listenership would spike is the time when we are most uh, active either on social media or attending events. So mm -hmm. as we engage with more people, either remote or physical, physically, we found that many more people discovered our podcast and listened. And not only that, we ran a survey and we found that we weren't really giving uh, people content they were interested in. So talking to them a lot more uh, kind of gave mm -hmm. us an idea of what kind of content people actually wanted to hear. And immediately we started putting out that content. It was very evident for us that we started having a lot of people um, uh, listening in. Uh, one thing I would say though is um, we try not to focus on the numbers too much. Like I'm a mm -hmm. data person, I love numbers, but mm -hmm. sometimes numbers can be depressing. So on average, usually I think in certain circles, sponsors will tell you, uh, we need to know how many listeners you can have in the first three weeks or one month of release or the first three months. But generally, mm -hmm. Our listeners don't listen immediately. Our episode is out. They take their time. Um, mostly, I think, because our episodes are long. They are mostly, on average, 40 to an hour. So we know they're not going to finish a lot of it in one session. So it will take multiple sessions. So we found that over time, um, they will download the episodes, and it will take them uh, a bit of time to finish. And because of that, we find... Uh, over time, three months, maybe you won't do good numbers, but over a six-month period, for example, uh, your listenership would have gotten to the level that you, you want it to be. And for mm -hmm. us, because of that, we find that sometimes we put out content that stands the test of time, doesn't get too stale quickly, because mm -hmm. if your numbers are growing in a space of six months, you want whatever you're talking about to still be relevant if someone's listening six months later. It's not always the case. It's still something that we're definitely working on. But I'd say uh, in terms of driving numbers up, engagement ranks first. And engagement means uh, connecting with people online or in physical spaces so mm. that they feel connected to uh, the podcast and the content that you're trying to put out. I think for us, that's number one. Number two is, of course, uh, relevant content. Third is definitely being able to give them access to um, your podcast. That's distribution now. At least mm -hmm. if they are, you are on the three biggest platforms, for example, it means mm -hmm. they don't need to switch over. Reduce the time uh, they need to get to hear your voices or get to sample your podcast. And that's something mm -hmm. that we've seen is pretty key. And I think we've done well in that area. Most people do well in that area, actually, especially with platforms like Anchor yeah. that distributes across many different plat platforms for you. Uh, it mm -hmm. becomes a bit easier. Uh, but one challenge I've seen with things like that is, um, like for us, the reason we did a survey was because we couldn't get the right analytical data that we wanted to appeal to potential sponsors, for example, because that's one avenue we really wanted to grow and that's uh, generate some kind of revenue to sustain uh, some of the projects we're doing. So um, finding the right platform that gives you the right information that you can then use also to figure out whether you're actually growing from a listener a listener perspective, whether your attention is working. Uh, we do a lot of testing. We test a lot of theories. We put out content that's specifically just meant to test how people would react to something. And it's important for us to be able to tell um, if the reaction is positive or not. Okay. Interesting. So, mm, yeah, no, a very interesting answer. Uh, I think now I'm also in that zone of um, looking at the numbers and saying, hmm, mm, mm, the number is this much. How can we make it 
higher by a factor of 10, make it higher by a factor of 100. And it's a, a very interesting exercise because sometimes you can attempt something and then it has the opposite effect. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you can record a really good episode that you think in your heart, like, oh, this is a very good episode. And to a person who doesn't even know the person you're interviewing and who doesn't even know the topic you guys are talking about, they are not even going to click on the link. They're just going to walk past. And um, it's harder in, in that case to get those uh, numbers to go up, as you're saying, because one, you didn't even give the, your main audience members content that they actually want to talk about or they actually want to listen to. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to be more on the lookout. I'm going to see if I can apply more of the things you just talked about now and improve on where we are and on the platform itself. Um, you want to know something that I tried recently that I feel like um, has, well, uh, so far it looks like it's working well. We talked mm -hmm. about, um, we talked about the little teaser um, uh, we did with Lydia, Lydia's episode. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're really trying this thing where we get what we feel like is the best um, aspect of the podcast, like not really long, like little five, five minute snippets of the episode and put mm -hmm. them out and then basically use that as kind of like a lure and get people into actually listening to the full episode. So mm -hmm. um, uh, we're using a platform, I forget what it's called, but it kind of helps us generate some kind of waveforms with like audio in the background. And uh, that's what's speaking it, people's interest a little bit. And we're testing that on the Rushing Forward episode, uh, podcast. So it seems to be working relatively well so far. Okay, I think I've seen uh, some of your tweets where you, the media is basically like a minute long or 30 seconds long, and then you guys yeah. have the links there. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll check it out and see how I could also use it on my side. Though. But, yeah. yeah, and you know, there's, there, I just remembered something else. Um, you mentioned um, something that I relate to, uh, thinking that you've you've made a really good episode mm -hmm. and then um when the episode actually goes out you find out that it was a really shit episode by <laughs> people's reactions you know that's uh, mm -hmm. oh, like i i try to not fall into that trap but i always do i mean even our last episode i really i had a i had a good feeling about that episode i know it's just we've it's only been um available for 24 hours but I really thought it was a really good episode and I expected a lot more, you know, um, uh, feedback early on. But so far, it seems to be following the same trend as uh, previous episodes, even though I'd say it's doing better than our previous episode already in one day. Uh, mm -hmm. than the, the, the episode before has done in three weeks, which is really interesting. And those are some of the strange things that I noticed. Like, it's never consistent. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to find out why one episode has done better than another one when you know more times passed and stuff like that so like those are things that are trying to fix we had a blunder i think on episode um i think it was like episode 10 or 9 so we thought we were recording the episode but we we were actually having challenges and the audio was choppy and everything so we put mm. out an apology right before the episode started. Like we had uh, one of our hosts just apologize and give our audience like a more like a catch up on where exactly uh, the conversation starts from. It's just so they mm. don't get lost uh, instead of having to re-record an entirely new episode. And it turns out that that particular description, like just the intro that explained uh, what the episode was about and what the conversation was up until a certain point, that's something mm -hmm. that more than 50% of our audience enjoyed. And I didn't mm. expect that. It was born out of like a complete blunder. The circumstances. Mm. Yeah. Mm, no, man, cool stuff, cool stuff. Mm, do you have any questions you'd like to ask me? Uh, how's been your experience um, uh, recording stage fright? Uh, what are some of the most interesting conversations you've had, you've had so far? I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but um, mm. I'm definitely going to make much more of an effort. Okay. So, um, 
My experience have, has been nice. Uh, it's actually probably the second time I've attempted to do remote recording. But um, the first one was something I wanted to call cut and join. And I, I still have the episode recorded sitting on my phone or on my laptop. And mm-hmm. I didn't like the quality of, yeah. of that recording. But, and I think the positive thing with uh, COVID-19 is more and more people actually understand the online stuff now, right? So yeah. every, most people I've had to engage with uh, already are doing the best they can do to provide me with uh, a good quality audio recording, okay? We're using earphones and all that jazz. And then all I have to do is pick a good enough platform. I think the first recording that I did for the cut and join stuff, uh, um, the problem was me because I chose a bad platform. Uh, I, did, I recorded a WhatsApp call and it, that didn't fly. But it, it probably would have sounded better if I did an audio, uh, a, phone, a normal phone call and recorded that. But on the stage fright, Side. I've, I've been enjoying the conversations I'm having mm, and I, I, as you're saying, you can't really tell uh, if an uh, episode is good or not, right? but I, I enjoyed the episodes I recorded last week and uh, did two episodes last week. One of them was with Lindy where, and we were talking about her OnlyFans and the experiences he's had. Uh, on OnlyFans and what actually got her to have an OnlyFans account. And yeah, I love that episode. I loved recording it and I've gotten good feedback on that episode. And the other episode I recorded last week as well was with Ishmael uh, about his experience uh, putting together this poetry slam called uh, Speak Out Loud. It probably has the biggest uh, prize money in the continent or that's what he says and also enjoyed that conversation because I've been in the poetry space for quite a long time and I know quite a lot about what is happening in in, in the space and just having a conversation with him uh, just you know uh, it feels natural basically it's like you talking with a tech person about tech on yeah. on a recording and yeah, today um, I have two shows. I just 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 did one before this as well. And yeah, uh, good good conversations all around. And what I think I also need to learn is, you know, um, I the same thing with you. We we've known each other for quite a while, but um, and we've had con- a, a couple of conversations before had uh, before this one, right? So. The um, episode I recorded before this, I've actually known the person for quite a long time and we've interacted so many times on Twitter before and we know exactly what we need to know about each other, but we've never had a conversation. So it felt awkward after the recording when we were actually having a normal people conversation. Yo, I saw you did this six months ago. How is that better? Oh, I'm doing this. You should check out blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that is nice. Like I, I, I still have to figure out a format uh, uh, for that because I still want to have my own personal conversation with people, but I still want to have the show. And I still want to keep that very uh, visible, at least for myself, that, okay, now I'm doing the show and then now I'm having a normal conversation. Uh, But, you know, with time and I think with each episode, I get to blur the lines a little more. Like, oh, actually, this is a personal conversation, but we're using it for the show. As you guys are saying with the behind the scenes recording, like, what does a behind-the-scenes recording sound like over an uh, online call? Yeah, definitely. Oh. Um, one question I'd have for you is um, over the... Do you see yourself... Because um, I, I can totally relate to um, conversations around uh, uh, whether, you know, blurring the lines between 
like you're saying, the behind the scenes conversations, the personal conversations, and when you're actually doing the show. I think mm. one challenge I had early on was I was a little too controlling. Like I wanted the show to sound a particular way. So we kind of lost that authenticity a little bit. It didn't sound natural anymore, but we still wanted something that sounded natural. Mm. Uh, but over the last few months, there's feedback that I've been getting, right? It leading towards people suggesting that maybe you need to get a producer, you know, that will kind of start producing, you know, the show. And maybe mm -hmm. you need to script the show a little more because one of the cornerstones of Codecast itself is we're unscripted, largely mm -hmm. unscripted. Like a lot of the conversations are uh, as raw as they can be. I mean, of course, we have to cut out certain stuff from time to time, but a lot of it is as it's recorded, basically. So have you mm -hmm. had any of those thoughts around like um, either audio quality, production issues and stuff like that? Mm, I think those always come up, uh, but from the recordings I've done on stage fright so far, right? I'm satisfied with the audio quality. Like, uh, I, I also, like, we, we have to all agree, certain improvements require certain amount of money, right? And yeah. if I'm ever going to make a, a certain improvement, either from a recording quality perspective, uh, it has to be economical for me to do those improvements, right? And if I also am going to increase the size of a team and do research before an episode goes out, other than the research I can do personally with just Google and the person I'm talking to and looking at what things I think we should actually make it a point to bring up in the conversation. If I get someone else to do that on my behalf as a, in, in a professional capacity as a producer, that also takes some money. And as things stand, the podcast is not generating income. Right? So it would have to be then, okay, how do I get this podcast to generate income so that I can cover one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. And yeah, for me, the feedback I've gotten from people has genuinely been around the conversation itself and not necessarily the quality. And I think that's uh, part of the reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first episode, yeah, I actually got uh, feedback on the quality because the third episode started out with some choppy audio in the first two minutes, but we, we fixed it during the recording. And I realized that a lot of people actually stopped listening uh, after the first two, three minutes, four minutes. They didn't get further into the conversation after the choppiness uh, went away. Because, you know, uh, first impressions do count on the internet when people are scrolling, uh, scrolling past millions and millions of other content on the internet. So, yeah, I think now I do more to keep, make sure that an episode starts out well and uh, we, we, we get to something juicy at the start of the episode. And what I used to do in my previous podcast is I would um, take the best part of the conversation, basically what you guys do with the social media posts, I did yep. it. Uh, at the start of every episode, just uh, take the juiciest part of the conversation, start the episode with that, and then rewind uh, and, and start the actual episode so that people get the first 30 seconds and some, oh, that sounds interesting, but then we start over, and then they have to wait for that part of the conversation to actually come up again to hear what that that is and what that was about yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting and i think i never thought of that that might be something that I might pick up and also experiment with um see if we can add little snippets at the at, at the beginning one thing mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to do right now is um we're trying to uh, grow the number of people that we that we include in the podcast especially mm -hmm. from a music perspective i i am passionate about music uh, mm -hmm. especially the EDM um, community within Zambia itself. So I do have a lot of friends that are producing music in that area. So I figured if we like the music and we like the content, we could mm -hmm. see if we could have like 
uh, dope intros and outros and see if we can plug them as well and see how that would affect our audience and that sort of thing. So I okay. might actually play around with a lot of those concepts. Interesting stuff. No, I can't wait to hear what you guys cook up. Yeah, definitely. You'll probably hear it soon. We're, mm. we're done with the initial phases and everything. We just need to mix in um, our vocals now to kind of uh, make it complete. Awesome. Cool. Mm. Drop in an album, call it Russian Forward, put it on Spotify, and let's see how it does. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Okay, uh, okay. So you mentioned uh, not making, sorry, you mentioned not making uh, income at the moment. Um, <laughs> we that's something we've wanted to start generating revenue for quite some time now because we are very ambitious. There's a lot yes, of things yeah. that we want, but we can't do because the money just isn't there. Right now, everything is being is coming out of our own pockets and we have to be economical, like you were saying. Um, mm -hmm. do, you, do you have a plan for something like that in the future? Yeah, uh, I do. Um, I think uh, when we first talked last year, I extensively went into it, but just to recap, but, um, I personally do not believe in advertising, right? Uh, yeah. um, I think it's gotten to the point where I hate advertising, and yeah. every time I engage with the website, and an ad pops up in such an intrusive manner, where I don't even want to see whatever it is that I was there for in the first place. Right? And so basically with Polelo, I want to stay away from advertisers as much as possible right? and keep the content. Obviously, you guys can add uh, your adverts, your content. It's your content, but I wouldn't incorporate it to how the platform functions. And so what I want to do is Rather focus on the fact that everyone has an audience, right? And everyone has an audience of different sizes. But e e whether or not you, your podcast has 10 listeners, uh, if one person in those 10 is willing to actually pay for some content or pay to support your content, uh, the platform should be able to facilitate those transactions, right? And yeah, I think now we're in the age where people understand that crowdfunding is as big as it is for a reason, right? Yeah. Some people were making jokes in America basically because of, of their healthcare system that you should actually grow a following on social media just in case you need good healthcare. Uh, because the, the, your audience will be the ones that actually contribute dollars each and then you can afford to get an operation. And I think, why is it not the case for content creators? Right? We are moving away from traditional media to digital media and we are actually moving the studio out of the picture. Right? So how is it that the people who watch your content don't just pay if they feel like paying, right? And there's really no cap to what a person would pay for the content that they enjoy watching. Right? And yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the angle I'm going for. Set up the platform in such a way that uh, a podcaster can easily convert content into money. Right? And then from there, they should decide whether or not they want to uh, increase their production quality because they have the budget to actually do that. And yeah, um, we've also talked about how currencies are an issue because as you guys are on the platform, if I'm gonna do it, first things first, I can only do it an interface with South African bank accounts because that's how the banking industry has been set up. It's been set up to make it hard for people in different countries to actually interface with each other. So now I'm also looking at how do I make it 
support people in other countries easier like, without having to do currency conversions, without have me having to actually code for the fact that you're in a different uh, country. And the simplest answer for me now is Bitcoin. Uh, I won't even like uh, any podcaster who wants to monetize their uh, content probably has a better chance of doing it via Bitcoin and also it works on the international setting as well, regardless of whatever currency, whatever bank you're using and wherever your um, audience member is, they um, most likely have access to some Bitcoin infrastructure that they can send you money via. And yeah, so that is probably something I'll be experimenting with pushing out in the next two, three months. Uh, weird enough, I already have the code for the South African uh, payment processes, but I'm not going to push that out because I want um, to focus more on the Bitcoin stuff uh, so that I don't have to then maintain two payment processes on one platform. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and I think payments is one of the biggest challenges. I mean, we've well we're, we're looking at starting with donations, right, basically. Yeah. And uh, one of the challenges, obviously, is that uh, uh, the payment infrastructure here is not the most conducive. Even if you want to receive payments from within the country, I mean, there's a big overhead in terms of costs. It doesn't exactly uh, benefit the the small players in the industry. You know what I mean? So I, mm. I can totally relate to that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So, read up on Bitcoin, man. Weird enough, the episode, the other episode today is about Bitcoin. So, <laughs> I'll definitely listen to the episode because I know you've been talking about it for a while. I've been looking at your tweets as well. Um, yeah. I, I know you're very passionate about it. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm moving into the phase where I try to get my mother using it. Oof, wish me luck. <laughs> All the best, all the best, yeah. all the best. I still can't yeah. get my mom to just send e-wallets. I have to do it for her. So, hey, I don't think it's because they don't want to learn. They just know that someone else can do it for them. Uh, yeah. Someone else can understand something for them, and they just don't want to put in the time. Yeah, but I think I'd be satisfied if he calls me to send Bitcoin for her, right? Because at least at that point, she understands, oh, I need to use Bitcoin for this specific activity, so if we get to that point, it's uh, I count that as a win. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, uh, thank you very much for the conversation. You're welcome. Anytime. Mm-hmm. So I hope you have a pleasant day. Yeah, and I hope you have one too. Uh, I hope everybody that listens will also listen to the Rushing Forward podcast. We're on Polelo, just search for Rushing Forward and uh, tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May all the wealth uh, end up in all the bank accounts of the key members that side. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. Perfect.